everyone. This is Dave DeBoe with another episode of the Property Profits Real Estate Podcast. Today, zooming in all the way from beautiful Calgary, Alberta, we've got Mr. Darcy Marler, who is a very accomplished real estate entrepreneur. He's an author. I believe Darcy's got four books under his belt. He's a trainer. He's a coach. And he's his main focus these days on something is on something very, very interesting, which is land development, land development. So that's what we're going to be talking about here. Darcy, welcome to the show. Thank you very much, Dave. Great to be back. This is nice. It's nice to have you on the show. So Darcy, tell me a little bit, big picture, why is, you've done a lot of different things with real estate investing. Why is land development what floats your boat in 2022? 2022. I'm just, yeah, become a little bit of an evangelical or a prophet about the beauties of land development. I I like it because I just think it's it's hitting everything kind of right at the right time. There's so much competition now all across the country for property, for normal rentals and flips. And as I talk to investors in that space, they're they're saying, you know, if I can't buy stuff, I'm going to build it. So that's becoming a more and more topic. And I think that's going to be bigger in the next few years. The next big thing is immigration. We've been slowed down a bit, but you know, the federal government's kind of just jumping at the bit to to loosen the the gates up again. So those people have to live somewhere. And so we need land for that. You're going to see there's already kind of a a health or a housing crisis in Canada. It was a big, big thing in the last federal election. So you're going to see, I think, all three levels of government start to implement policies to increase inventory of housing, but also to increase densification. And certainly that's the big builders on the outskirts of town. There's, they're going to go hard. But as smaller investors, we can actually do some stuff as well. We can you know, tear down a house and, and on a large lot and subdivide that into two or three units and, and get that ready for builders. You know, There's other things we can do there. Just also the demographics. People don't like old buildings, right? Given a choice, people want to build in or live in new buildings. And mm-hmm. so I really think you're going to see that inventory of 1920s, 1930s, 1940 houses Instead of being flipped or rented or bird, I think you're going to see a lot of that come down and replaced with the get demol- get yeah. demolished and replaced, basically, right? It should be, to be honest. I, I think the only reason we rent we rent and bird those is because we've got no nothing else to do. Like referring to that competition I talked to a couple of months ago. So well, we well just- so Darcy, if you don't mind, you know, when I think when a lot of people hear residential land development, they might have an image of somebody buying a big tract of land out in the outskirts of town, land banking that for a few years, going through a gazillion hoops and and whatnot to get that zoned properly, then doing all the rigmarole of getting the sewage and the electricity and, you know, city stuff all, all in there. It sounds like you're talking about something slightly different. Am I on the right track? Or yeah, there's I call it there's various micro strategies within land development that people aren't aware of. So there's certainly that. And you can do that on a smaller scale, let's say 10 or, or two or to five acres, put some pipe in the ground for servicing, a little internal road, subdivide it and sell the lot. So that's certainly doable for a smaller investor. Depending on where you are in the country, let's say that's two million dollars. So if that's a little too rich, then you can step down and now you can go. I call it old house on large lots. So let's say there's a 1930 or 1940s building on a larger lot, 50, 60 foot lot. You can tear down that old building, subdivide that lot into, or sever that lot into smaller units, make sure everything's serviced again and sell that. There's also, let's say you've got a property with a lot of excess land. You can sell the excess with the original building. You can either sell that again and then be completely done with the project, or you can tear that down and, and develop that. Or you can apply this, the excess from the sale of the land towards the mortgage of the original property. And, and now that turns into a really nice cash flowing rent. 
you can assemble two or three properties together. You know, we were just looking at something, a group I was looking with, you know, there's some older homes in Hamilton, for example, that were really old and ready to, you know, board it up almost. They're like $200,000 per building. Well, you can afford to buy, you know, four or five of those for the price of one house in Toronto these days. So, so assembly is something else. So again, get two or three together, knock them down. But you can also do kind of just the paperwork. You can just change the zoning or the density, get the paperwork in place for that and sell that. You can just change the paperwork, get the permitting in place to get something shovel ready and sell that to a building. So again, there's all these kind of little micro strategies within the grand envelope of, of land development that I think a lot of investors aren't aware of that that's actually possible. And they can actually do it on, on various timetables and various various pocketbook sizes as well. Oh, that's very cool, Darcy. So what what kind of land development deals have you personally been involved in most recently? Basically, over my career, I've done a bunch of stuff. I've done new construction on 45 different houses and, and small apartments. In terms of land development, I've done that old house on large lot. I've done that. I've done paperwork only. I've done larger or kind of mid-sized deals where seven and a quarter acres and you know developed 36 units, for example. And I was also instrumental, a main player in getting the, the, the horse track and casino built here in Northeast Calgary. So uh, that's a, that was a really large project, 720 acres and a couple hundred million dollars. So I go from small to large in, in my experience over the years. Very cool. So walk me, I'm, I'm curious because I've got a, a client who, who has done one of those kind of strategies primarily in, in the Ottawa area, and that is the ugly old house on a big lot and getting that tied up and then doing all the paperwork and getting everything kind of shovel ready and then selling that to a developer. So can you walk, because to me, that sounds like a, compared to some of the other options, more of a low risk, perhaps a good place to get started in the land development game. Would you, first of all, would you agree with that? Is that what you recommend for folks? Yeah, I always kind of say, you know, uh, in general, not always, but I always say that if you can afford to buy that old house as a rental or a flip, you can afford to buy it for land development because basically in, a, in an urban area, the, the the services are going to be right on the street in front of you. And it's 15, 20,000, 25,000, depending what zone you're in to get a service brought in from the street, a little bit of, of engineering. So, you you know, you're typically sub 50,000 for doing that, which is, you know, you couldn't do a rental uh, yeah. For that. So it's it's about the same ballpark. So that's why it should interest people that, that are trying hard to find stuff to flip and, and rent, but can't find it. But yeah, it's basically the other big thing I'd, I'd warn about is there's a really big discrepancy from jurisdiction to jurisdiction across mm. the country. Some will approve a development permit in a couple of months. Some, you know, the worst is kind of Vancouver where it's a year and a half to two years. So, and, you know, all in between four to five months, eight months, you know, some places Ontario are still 14 months, for example. So kind of where we start is always make sure you're in the right municipality where they're kind of pro-development and they're not uh, not just a bunch of NIMBYs or, or they don't want any development at all. So that's kind of right. Yeah, that'd be super important. And then, well, even if you are in kind of a NIMBY area, I would imagine as long as A, you understand that going, in. yeah. going into the deal, B, that hopefully, so this is one of the cool things that that client was doing. In the meantime, they were renting out the crappy old house on the property, and that was helping to cover their hard costs at least. Yeah. So they weren't going negative in the meantime. So is is that one of the is that one of the suggestions you have for people in in this Definitely case? Yeah. So and I I tell you know I use the analogy of of getting in 
put the lake up to your ankle or yeah, up to your ankles to see if, if it's going to work, you know, does this make sense? Cause you don't control the land. Let's say you didn't control the land. So at a very high level, does this make sense? So what are the revenue and costs going to look like? Is the city basically on board? And if it looks good, that's what I call decision point A. You're going to go a little bit further. Now I need to spend a little bit of money on engineering and and some some planners, some cost consulting to put some more meat on the bones, make sure you draw like a site plan or something that I can start to show investors, potential banks. Again, highlight or get some more meat on the bones for revenue and costs. So now uh, I'm up to decision point B or up to my knees at this point. I can still back out. I haven't spent a ton of money. I do need to have control of the land before I do that. Wow, that's another fantastic idea. Hold on to that thought for a sec. We'll be right back. Now, are you a real estate investor who's ran out of cash or credit to grow your portfolio? Are you looking to grow your portfolio using other people's money and raising capital? Well, I want to show you how to raise six figures or more in six weeks or less at my upcoming Investor Attraction Workshop. You can get your ticket and find out all about it at InvestorAttractionWorkshop.com. We're going to spend a full day taking a deep dive into this roadmap that I've used to raise millions for my deals, and I've helped other people just like you cumulatively raise hundreds and hundreds of millions of dollars for their deals as well. So again, you can check that out at InvestorAttractionWorkshop.com. And as a loyal listener to the podcast, you'll get 50% off your ticket when you use the discount code PODCAST. That's right, discount code PODCAST at InvestorAttractionWorkshop.com. See you at the next workshop. So when you say get control of the land, are you talking about options to purchase, these kind of things? What what are you talking about? Yeah, ideally you don't, you know, want to keep your, your costs as small as possible. So ideally you need to control it so the land can't be spent or sold off from under you while you're spending a little bit of money. So right. ideally, instead of actually buying it, you can do an option or agreement for sale or even maybe partner with the seller itself is a great opportunity too. We always talk about JV partners in terms of a money partner. Well, what if the seller itself was one of your partners too? That's a, an option that, that uh, you know, again, not always available in, in a heated market, but certainly it's, it, it certainly happens. So it's worth a talk with the seller. Yeah. So these kind of, and then once you're at decision point B, yeah, this looks good. We're all in. Okay. At that point now we're doing full construction drawings. We're basically spending all of the soft costs and your team is doing most of the work too. So if you think maybe this whole thing is a little too hard for you, you're involved a lot at the beginning where you're putting the deal together, finding out if it works or not. But once you're to the point where you're designing and, and doing that, your team, your planner, your civil engineers are, are doing all the back and forth with the city, making sure everything's in place. And then you've got everything. You, you apply for the permits. They'll apply for that. Hopefully you get approved. And then if you're doing any on-site work, if you're not just doing the paperwork, but you're actually doing putting some pipe in the ground, then again, your professionals are doing that too. At that point, your role more becomes project manager, managing the money making sure that your manager is billing you on time so you can get your construction draws and get the money back to them so the trades are getting paid so, so work isn't stopping on site. So it becomes a really, you're lifting yourself up. I, I recommend don't doing the actual on-site work yourself. Right. So you're a project manager, thinking about as a true investor as opposed to like a job or a, a business. So obviously, Darcy, every deal is going to be different. I mean, this is, <laughs> there are so many moving pieces with this kind of a, a process and different rules, different places, et cetera, et cetera. But if you could give us like some big, broad stroke ideas of, you know, maybe a, a case study of yours or one of your students or somebody like that, that did one of these kind of smaller infill type type deals, what could that look like from stage to stage dollars and cents wise? So, you know, you get into the property for, 
or get the, the property tied up for this, then the first stage is probably ballpark going to cost you give or take this much. At what stage have you actually added enough value that this could be packaged and, and delivered to an end user? And in, in that case, you know, what might that look like? I, I know I'm asking for a lot here, but just to get people their, their, their juices flowing with the idea of what's in it for them for doing this. I'll, I'll give you two. So there was a student actually here in Calgary just this last August. He was going to buy a house, tear it down, and then build a really nice house in its place. So typically you want to break that house or that lot into as many smaller lots as you can so that the original cost of the lot is a proportioned as, as far as it can to the new lots. Right. Sometimes in a richer area, the play is knock down old house, build really nice house in its place. He was going to do that. He spent six fifty on on the on the original house. They were projected to make about three fifty. They knocked the house down, three hundred fifty thousand dollars profit. They knocked the house down. They were working with the architect, surveyors to get some of the work done. Somebody just randomly walked up and, and offered him enough to to eight fifty. He'd spent about sixty six thousand so far. So basically, in two and a half months, he sold it just as is, whereas paperwork only basically made one hundred and thirty five thousand in two and a half. Nice, just because he he got it tied up and somebody else saw the potential of what he was wanting to do and said, "Yeah." Because what happens is builders they want to build; they don't want to deal with paperwork and bureaucracy. So just give me something so that I can get shovel ready and I can start work tomorrow. I, you know, I got to keep my my crews busy. They don't want to right. necessarily. And then another one I did just recently was uh, in, in smaller town Alberta. I bought a three hundred thousand dollar fourplex, and it's just by chance it had a, a bunch of land to the side. So it turned out it had a fifty foot frontage lot. So I, I did the the paperwork to have that officially severed or, or turned into a new lot. I was able to sell that for thirty thousand. So three hundred thousand dollars, twenty percent down, sixty thousand dollars cash, two hundred forty thousand dollar, eighty percent loan to value mortgage. Another thirty thousand against the mortgage turned that into a seventy percent loan to value. So it cash flowed before, and now it cash flowed really nicely after that. So again, if, if some of you are having trouble finding things to rent, properties to the, that can rent, that might be a way to actually cash flow better because you, you're severing this excess land and, and putting that against the mortgage. So there's another strategy. I'm yeah, like, so you get a big lot, legally chopping it in half, selling the excess property using the. The profit you made from that excess property to pay down the mortgage on the first one, if you want to, and increasing your cash flow because you've got a lot more. So maybe the property itself, you know, like I said, people are having a real hard time finding properties of cash flow. Maybe that maybe it's borderline cash flow as is, but once yeah. you sever and, and put that, now it actually cash flows positively, and you can continue your your rental uh, strategy going forward. Very 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 cool. Times too, so. Yeah, no, that's that's exciting stuff, and I think you're absolutely right. Really circumstances that we're in, not just in Canada, but in North America, I mean, supply and demand, the prices of properties have gone crazy in a lot of areas of the country, that's for sure. So this is a way to, to squeeze yeah, I mean, more juice out of those opportunities. CMAC, you'd have heard of this too. CMAC just came out with a new thing that for new construction of apartment buildings, mostly for lower lower rental kind of property, really, really nice terms on the actual construction. But then if you turn around and try to refinance it, they'll refinance at 95% loan to value with a 50-year amortization period. Oh my goodness. Yeah. that's uh, it's, So basically they're saying like, you know, imagine how low your, your monthly payments would be if you stretch it out over 50 years. So that's what they're trying to do for that. You know, there's a couple of hurdles. It has to be, you know, specifically for, for lower rental. And also there's some environmental hurdles that you have to have these days. But if you fit into that blanket, 
you know, 95% loan to value 50 year M is, is huge. That so is you're going to see a lot of activity there and people are going to need lots to, to build on that. Well, so they're incentivizing, like, you know, lower income housing, right? They got to, they got to make it make sense for us financially as real estate investors. We're not just going to be doing that off. Yeah. Cause you know, there's a lot of character to the stick. They like to tax this or they like to penalize this, but on the other hand, I think they're going to have to come around to the realization that no, we need to, the big problem is it takes a year and a half to get a permit in Vancouver, not the fact that there's too many empty units in Vancouver. Like you gotta let's speed that up, boys. So eventually you'll kind of see that come around, I'm sure. Yeah. Lots well, of this is this is fascinating stuff, Darcy. If people want to find out more about you and the whole land development thing, what should they do? Uh basically I'm online. My my uh actually and as part of the uh, podcast here, I'll, I'll give you the, the, the URL to, that they can latch onto and you can include that. But also just so you can DM me. My name's Darcy Marler, M-A-R-L-E-R. My web page is hrrealestatementors.com. So, but there's a specific, you know, I've created a, a an actual online course now for residential land development as a profitable investment where I teach people how to take advantage of this. And I'm actually, it's kind of actually the first course on land development that's really out there. And it's written for investors by an investor. So it's actually, uh, it's actually a really good course. Awesome. Very good. Darcy, thanks so much. It's been a lot of fun. Excellent. Thanks, Dave. Good to All see right, you. Everybody. Take care and we'll see you on the next episode. Well, hey there. Thanks for tuning into the Property Profits podcast. If you like this episode, that's great. Please go ahead and subscribe on iTunes, give us a good review. That'd be awesome. I appreciate that. And if you're looking to attract investors and raise capital for your deals, then I'm going to invite you to get a complimentary copy of my newest book right back there. There it is. The Money Partner Formula. You can get a PDF version at InvestorAttractionBook.com. Again, InvestorAttractionBook.com. Take care.